This weekend, Chris demanded that his kids and partner see Frozen 2, dragging them along, but did they have a good time? The reviews, they have been very kind for the movie Knives Out, but do I have my claws out for it? Stay tuned. And finally, Chris, he's going to get animated with Tuka and Birdie. The show was recently cancelled, but should you double back and check it out? Folks, we will be discussing all of these shows right here on Always Be Watching. This is Always Be Watching. This is our weekly discussion where we dive deep into the things that have been in front of our eyeballs. My name, Dan Barrett, joined by... Chris Yates. Chris, I'm very excited to be doing the podcast this week. I'm very excited too to be back in good health and here with you, my good friend, Dan. It feels like it's been a minute since we've done this. <laughs> it has been a minute. Well, we had, yes, I had a lot of uh, other uh, tangential related issues as well, but all is good now in my life and world and we are here. Yeah, uh, so I don't know if you heard it, but last week I just vomited words into a microphone by myself. I would have to admit to not having listened yet, Dan. I'm sorry about that. I'm not sure I even told you that I did that. <laughs> no, I thought we had a week off. Uh, yeah. I thought you used the emergency episode. No, no, well, I used the emergency one like two weeks oh, prior. Yeah, sure, there's been a bit of emergencies going yeah. on. Sorry about and that. And we had one more emergency episode that was in our back pocket, and that was recorded months ago. But, like, you lost access to that Google Drive folder that had the episodes Oh, in yes, there, so right. That yeah. was just lost the ages. Uh, I probably- <laughs> Who know what my thoughts on the Supergirl TV show were? <laughs> I can imagine you were for it. Uh, yeah, actually, I was. Yeah, I think yeah. so, yeah. I'll just have to do the episode again. All right, we'll do that for sure. Mm. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but we've both seen a lot of things. I have seen a lot of things, and as uh, having a bit of downtime sickness, I uh, was able to catch up on Watchmen, which I hadn't um, done. I sit, watched the first two uh, straight up, and then I missed it uh, for a couple of weeks. So it was great to catch up to that fantastic uh, episode six, I think we're up to. So something I want to do on the show before we kick off into the... Like, we've got a whole bunch of exciting big things to talk about. Very. But we haven't really, like, done this for a few weeks. And I've been in a surreal, interesting state TV-wise where there's all these TV shows that have launched in the last month and a half to two months. And I'm loving them all. I've not, like, loved a TV show for quite some time. I've never seen you this happy. Actually, that's a lie. The time we watched all the Police Academy movies (laughs) in a row, you were very happy that day. (laughs) All seven Police Academy films. I regret nothing about that day. (laughs) At the end of that, everyone went home. And you know what I did? I watched the first one again with the director's commentary. (laughs) Of course you did, yes. Great day. So, anyhow... Uh, we've had, like, this period right now where there's all these great shows that I'm super into, and, like, I'm genuinely just, like, passionate about all these shows. We've got things like, and this is in no particular order, but I'm enjoying this brand new CBS drama called Evil, which we talked about on the pod a little while ago. Yeah. But things that people might actually be watching. Uh, Watchmen. Yes. Okay, I'm Gaga for. Uh, what else? Uh, Mandalorian. Mandalorian I'm huge about. Um, I've actually been enjoying the morning show. And I know you didn't care for that first episode. No, but I am still, I am going to catch up. I am going to watch the second one at least. I'll Uh, give it that much. The other Apple TV Plus show that I think is really worthwhile is this thing called For All Mankind, which is a um, Cold War space race drama. And week by week, that thing's just, there's one scene in it, which I'm just like completely blown away by. Wow. Yeah. I'm gaga for that program. I'm interested in that period of history. So perhaps I'll watch that. And there's some other shows, like there's one called Mrs. Fletcher, which I'll be talking about on the podcast next week, because we finally get it here in Australia. But yeah, there's just like a bunch of like great little TV shows. I know, and like I hate almost everything, and there's even heaps of stuff on that I'm actually watching at the moment, which is kind of bizarre too. It's it's the uh, the fourth golden age of television, just for this summer. Yeah, no, absolutely. 
a question I want to throw at you, Mr. Christopher Yates, mm-hmm. is uh, just running through them quickly. Watchmen, you said you caught up on all of them. Yes. By the time this episode goes out, we're recording on a Monday. I'll probably have the podcast out on Tuesday or Wednesday. Now, we won't have seen the most recent episode, which will be episode seven, by yes, my thinking. Think so. The last episode we've seen was episode six, the black and white hood justice episode. It was amazing. Yeah. Are, are you into the program? Like, have you had any sort of uh, crisis of faith with the program or have you been in from the beginning? Oh, no, I'm a, I'm 100% on board with it the whole way. And even, you know, as a um, as someone who's not really familiar with the original text, I'm, you know, doing a little bit of back reading and stuff, but trying to not do too much. I'm trying to just let it let myself get a bit swept up in the way they're telling the story, which is quite easy to do. Yeah, so I was watching it at the beginning and I was really impressed by the tightrope of being able to tell the story where you could just watch the program and totally get it. Or if you actually know the background of the original comic book series, you'd have a bit of greater depth on it. And I think they've done it remarkably well, with the exception of just one episode, which was the episode uh, from the perspective of Laurie Blake, the FBI agent. And that episode, I kind of felt like you actually did need to know the comic a bit more to be able to fully grasp what was happening. And you could probably return back to it after seeing the next couple of episodes and understand where she's coming from. But people don't really do that with TV that much. Yeah. Okay, so like that's the one episode I feel that people were at a disadvantage not knowing the comic. Other than that, though, I think it's been a pretty clean ride. Look, it, that, that's very true about that episode. And that was the one that made me do a little bit of back checking and stuff to look stuff up because I actually... I did that thing. I was quite ill when I watched it the first time, and I was sort of drifting off um, with the help of some codeine. And then, um, God bless it. Uh, and I realised that uh, you know, I just I wasn't taking it in as much as I should say. But when I watched it the second time, I really, uh, yeah, I did a little. I I realised it wasn't just because my brain was addled; there was stuff missing there. Yeah. So yeah, going back through that was really. Oh, but it was so worthwhile. It was great to watch it twice too. Actually, it was a fantastic episode. Yeah, I mean, that episode still kind of held up, but I just kind of felt the emotional resonance of the episode wasn't really there unless you got it yeah yeah fair yeah. enough um, mm. outside of that though it's been super impressive so good uh, everyone was raving about the black and white episode which i thought was good but it just didn't really feel to me that it was that much of a better episode than no, it's t- been because the show's just been exemplary good absolutely i totally agree i don't think it was like oh it's finally gotten good or anything like that yeah. i think it's all been of that very high standard i reckon yeah there are a few episodes of the leftovers being damon lindelof's previous series uh, series where, like, they were kind of novelty-ish episodes outside right. of the framework of the rest of the show. Where you'd watch that and go, oh my god, did you see what The Leftovers did? But I kind of just feel that Watchmen just been at this constant sort of level. And even though that episode was in black and white and they were doing something slightly different, every episode does things slightly different. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's been a really um, cool thing about it, too, mm-hmm. is that it's it, it hasn't just been um, treading the same... It hasn't even just been doing the same thing that it's been doing well, but going over the... Yeah, Mandalorian, where both four episodes into this one. Yes, uh, I would be more if it was possible to be more episodes in. I think I've watched every episode twice too, which is weird that I never usually do with TV shows. But most and mostly because I've been watching them with other people yeah. um, on the second viewing. But yeah, God, it's just it's really come into itself. I really love the fourth episode being, um, you know, it's starting to become a little bit more episodic, and it really felt a little bit more like. Uh, sci-fi TV in the um, you know the the cheesier kind of realm of it, which I just thought was awesome. <laughs> it re- that really worked well for me. It reminded me of every '90s syndicated sci-fi TV. All show. those ones that came out, right? Yeah, and it, and it also had that um, very obviously you know that cool the, the spaghetti western kind of theme of the gunslinger saving the town from the. Um, invaders, uh, a la the Three Amigos, uh, <laughs> which is actually my um, prob- probably my entryway to that particular genre of cinema. 
wasn't it? It was very Seven Samurai for the most part, but obviously Three Amigos is pretty much the same story. Was, yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, no, fantastic stuff. Not enough Baby Yoda in Episode 4, but... Uh, there we'll, was still we'll, a fair bit of Baby yeah, Yoda in there. Baby Yoda. Drinking the bone broth when, and eating the frog. <laughs> when the little girl ran up to Baby Yoda and gave him a cuddle at the end and said, I love you, Baby Yoda, or whatever she said. Not that, obviously. Just, just representing the feelings of everyone oh, in the audience. Oh, my God. She was everyone, right? Just yeah. saying, God, that was a beautiful moment. I'm tearing up thinking about it and also <laughs> laughing my ass off. So good. Yes, great stuff. So, yeah, there's been... I, I also have been blown away by how many um, great shows there are pitched almost directly at me, which is quite weird. Yeah. Uh, but let's get on with the program. Yes, let's. Yeah, the scheduled TV discussion. I'm going to start it by asking you, well, Dan... Chris, before we do that... Oh. We haven't really told people what the podcast is about and oh, yeah, how we cool. really approach That's this. right. I was blown away by your unprofessional um, intro, and so I figured uh, we were we were already past it. But well, no, okay, do no. it. I just told people what was coming up. Okay, sure. Go yeah. for it. But for every podcast, it's someone's first episode. Yes. So they've heard us blather about TV, so they probably know that we're going to talk about TV shows we've been watching. That's and like right. the occasional movie we drop in for conversation. But that's not how I explain the program no. to people. No, not at all. Use your explainer. Yeah, so I mean, the general explanation that I give is let's say that you've taken a job at a bubble tea store. Yes. Okay, you're there, you're making your bubble tea, you're dropping the tapioca pools, you're layering some uh, cream cheese on top. Really? Yeah. Okay. That's the thing that happens there. Sure. Chris works at a place where right next door is a bubble tea place <laughs> of some renown. Never, Check it out. Never been there. Yeah, a little bit pricey, but you know, it is what it is. You got to pay for the good stuff. You really do. So you're working at your bubble tea store. You've given up the you know high end gig here. You've gone next door. You're making the bubble tea. Mm-hmm. You're layering the foam. You're putting the tapioca in. You're saying how much sugar do you want? Do you want to go half? Do you want to go three quarters? A quarter? No sugar? All the important questions. But then the most important question, while you know you're mixing and you know doing all that sort of business, someone reaches over the counter and it's like, Chris, what are you watching on TV? And then you're like, well, you know, I've been watching Mandalorian and whatever. And then I'll say, oh, you know, I've been watching this. And you're like, that's fascinating. That's what we do on this podcast. <laughs> one of my friends was, uh, I was chatting with one of my friends the other day. We were talking about how it's basically become the kind of only conversation anyone has with anyone these days is what have you been watching? It's the only question worth a damn. Like everybody knows what everyone's doing because it's all on the on their Facebook and on their Instagram and stuff. So you kind of have this like weird catch up with it. You're like, oh yeah, I saw you did this thing last week. Oh yeah, I saw that too. <laughs> oh yeah, and then you did this thing. Oh yeah. So, have you seen The Watchmen? It's like, yes, oh, I yes, have. Watchmen. It's amazing. And then, <laughs> then you can actually... That's right. And then we can regain our, um, our humanity through television. Well, I mean, I've got this theory that what used to be the town square has been replaced by all these digital spaces, much like what you're talking about. Mm. So, when people are actually meeting in, like, meat space, M-E-A-T. <laughs> yes. Like, really, it's like we're just looking for that sort of thing that we can all have a shared connection with. And because we've already talked about the geographic connection, because... The things we do in our lives have a sense of place and location attached to them. Because we've already expressed that in the world, yes. we're left to, you know, talk about the deeper philosophical ideas of what's happened in this week's episode of Servant. That's right. And uh, and I'm here for it, Dan. I'm here for it. I'm charged up. I'm ready to go. Yeah. Oh, well, let's do this. All right. So, I'm going to ask you. Yes, sir. What have you been watching, Dan? Look, I've been watching a brand new comedy with the comedian, more musician comedian, Tim Minchin, called Upright. All right. Uh... Uh, Mildred's 45 k's away, right? Oh, shit, what I know? Mildred, Mildred's, like, big. They'll have a hospital or a medical centre or something. You can drive because your car's fine. Ute. What? It's a ute. And you're going to have to drive it, so try not to crash it. You, uh... Chris, are you aware of this program at all? I'm barely aware of Tim Minchin. So is he that guy that plays the piano and makes jokes? Yeah. 
Right. That's yep. pretty much him. Yeah. Okay. Now, in fairness, when I introduced him saying the musical comedians he mentioned, okay, I was watching this program last night upright, which I knew that I was aware that Tim Minchin existed out in the world, but I couldn't actually think what his shtick was th- until you just said that then. I'm like, that's right, that's who he is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's yeah. And I only know him from ABC promos. Yeah, and that's pretty much me that. as well. Yeah, cool. Yeah. So, is this a scripted show? This is a scripted show. This is made for Foxtel. I feel that the marketing around Upright has been lackluster. I've seen next to nothing about this I haven't, I haven't. Yeah, I haven't seen it at yeah. all. And it's a shame because it's really good. Wow. Yeah. So, this is a series of, I want to say it's six or eight episodes, probably six, I think, half hour episodes. Uh, Tim mentioned, and it starts, and I didn't actually know anything about the program at all, other than the fact that there was a brand new show with Tim mentioned, which I saw a review somewhere saying it was very good. And I didn't even really read into the review that far. I just wanted to, you know, experience the show. And I've seen no marketing materials for it at all. But it's Tim mentioned, and it starts with him in a car. He's clearly sort of strung out, doesn't really know what's going on in the world. He's getting some abusive text messages telling him to uh, not... And he's, there's a great gag, like, in the first couple of seconds where you see a message come up on the phone telling him to not duck it up. Hey, okay, yeah, that is obviously, yeah, you know, people joke. type in what they want to type and the autocorrect always changes it to duck. Good joke. And then you see the correction come through a second later. Yeah. <laughs> it's very good. It was, it, you know, it's such the humanity of us all. Yes. Uh, but he ends up having a car accident on this motorway. You find out he's near Mildura. Uh, he has a car accident on a motorway with a, uh, what do you call it, a four-wheel drive that sort of knocks to the side. He gets out in a daze because he's just had his car smacked into by a much larger vehicle. Anyway, the person who was driving that comes out and is like just abusing it with this torrent of just like profanity and just belittling statements at him. Anyway, as he starts to really sort of come to and he gets his uh, druthers about him. I've never used the word druthers <laughs> I'm before. I'm so glad you use it now. Gets his druthers about him. Uh, he sees that the person shouting at him isn't a grown up person, but really it's this sort of small, meek, diminutive 16 year old girl. And she's got a bit of attitude about her, and uh, essentially his car's written off, it's a rental, but he's uh, transporting a piano, and we don't really know anything about the piano other than that it's very important to him, and as you start seeing through a few flashbacks over the next few episodes, he's a musician, so, you know, not quite a Tim Minchin type, but, you know, he's certainly, it's Tim Minchin. Yep. Okay, and he wants to get this piano to wherever it is that he's going. And I don't want to say too much more because there's not that much more you can really reveal. Yeah, sure. Uh, but yeah, so essentially he ends up putting the piano onto the back of like this full drive ute thing. And the two the strangers start driving towards Mildura because they need to go to a hospital. Uh, the girl's broken her arm as well. So that's kind of the... Yeah. Know, she can't drive, he can drive, but he needs to get a piano. She's got the ute, you know, off they go. Oh. So anyway, it's an unlikely road trip comedy. Sure. Yeah. But anyway, it's very funny. Great performances from the both of them. Is it an Australian production? Uh, it's an Australian production. It's got some... Uh, I think the Funny Bodies create New South Wales. So oh, yeah. I don't think it was filmed in New South Wales, but there's definitely some money in Because, uh, Tim... I think he, Tim Minchin got big in the UK, right? He's one of those people that... Uh... He did a Broadway show, which I want to say was maybe the Beetlejuice show. Oh, wow. Yeah, and so that was going for a while. So he really built up a pretty big name for himself in terms of like musical theatre circles from that. As in, he was Beetlejuice? As in, like, he wrote the... Yeah. Like, I don't know if he was in it. Mm, that's I'm not very interesting. Sure. I, I, I'll look I don't up. profess to know anything at all about Tim Minchin. That's, I don't think you've made that clear. Yeah. But, like, I've seen him before. Like, I just don't have... Like, my brain can't quite connect to how I've really experienced him before. Yeah. But, yeah, he, he's a great presence on screen. I really like the show. Excellent. Yeah. I, I'm surprised to hear that. Uh, look, I was expecting it to be fine. 
So upright it is on Fox Showcase on Sunday nights, but every episode is currently streaming now on Foxtel. On Foxtel Go, Foxtel Now. Fox Play Now Go. Fox Play Now Go. Excellent. Yeah. Anyway, well worth your time, and I strongly recommend watch the first episode. I'd be surprised if you don't keep going. I'm, I'm a surprising guy. I've, I've surprised you before with my lack of interest in things you've recommended to me, so let's let's try and surprise you again. Now, Chris Yates, yes. I believe you've watched something recently on a big screen. Tell me about a little movie you saw. So, I went to the cinema. The cinema? Yesterday. Uh, usually, that happens once a year when there's a new Star Wars movie out. Um, Although, we did go and see Young Einstein a few months that's ago. That's right. Or, or if Young Einstein has an re- anniversary screening, of course. That'll get me out of my um, crap shack. But, uh, yes. So, uh, of course, I have small children. They are aged two and five. The smallest, uh, it was her first cinema experience. Oh, really? Going to see Frozen 2. Far away, as north as we can go, once stood an enchanted forest. You see an enchanted forest? Yes, it was a magical place, but something went wrong. Since then, no one can get in or out. Wow, Papa, that was epic. Now, Chris, when I think about Frozen 2, I think Chris Yates is the exact guy that wants to go and see Frozen <laughs> oh, you, 2. You just couldn't have nailed it, nailed it better. Uh, not only am I anti-movies, um, I'm certainly anti-those um, kind of movies. But uh, What, what, what look, does those kind of movies mean? <laughs> Do you mean movies with strong female characters? Yeah, yes, that's exactly what I mean. No, if you want me to get into it, I will. No, that's kind of why we're, we're here, here right? Um, this is, if anything, the only purpose of this podcast <laughs> so for I'm, you to get into things. So I've watched a bit of Frozen, the first one. My um, five-year-old son is quite a fan, and he, uh, I find it hilarious that he refers to Elsa, the main character, as Frozen. So as a la, you know, John McClane being called Die Hard by Homer in Die Hard. Now, does Homer call him Die Hard or does Bart call him Die Hard? I think it's Homer. I'm pretty he used sure. that joke on the uh, group chat the other <laughs> night, and I'm pretty sure it's Bart that calls him Die Hard. Uh, I'll... It's not. But anyway, um, I'll let you have that one. Um, I'll let you be wrong about that one. So anyway, he's watching it. Oh, what's happening? What's happening to Frozen? What's happening to Frozen? And I'm like, oh, dude, I just don't care. This is the worst garbage I've ever seen. And that's that's us in the lounge room uh, watching it. So I was prepared to really hate it. Uh, I didn't hate it that much. I've got to admit, I um, it, it, it was kind of fine. The uh, It has a song that's you know, they're they're trying to rewrite the same massive hit that they had in the first film, which I understand, and I don't... I, you know, I wouldn't be envious of the people trying to come up with that because that was a massive uh, a massive deal, and trying to replicate that would be hard. They've kind of done it, I guess. Uh, but, okay, my main problem with this is... Uh, and this might be... This will sound strange at the start, but it will hopefully make sense as we go along. But my main problem is that, is that it's uh, it suffers from the same kind of fate, I think, as Black Panther and even, I'll go so far as to say, the Lego movie, um, where it uh, tries to address some kind of... Uh, it goes too far to try and address a social political, socio-political issue that it has no business going anywhere near and instead dilutes it and turns it into just a massive pile of just... Um, I want to say garbage, but I want to be a bit more descriptive than that. Maybe to frame it a little bit more like how I think you're actually trying to say. I don't want to put the words in your mouth, <laughs> but it just dilutes the value of the message that it's saying by just being a bit toy. Oh, it erases it. The, the value of yeah. the message that it's saying by completely deconstructing it at the end. So we had, so with Black Panther, we had this great film. Um, 
where you know you had this guy Killmonger who had very good politics about um, about Black America basically, and then they ruin it by having the rest of the movie, and then he has to be like murdered, and then he, I mean, well, he becomes the you know he's the bad guy somehow, and then um, you know because he's killed hundreds of people, whatever, still has <laughs> way better politics. Um, they get to the end, and yeah, he gets killed, and um, you know. Black Panther decides that, yes, he'll do the right thing and hand all of the wealth and value of the Wakandan people to the American government so they can continue to, um, you know, make the world safe. Um, So where you've got this great thing happening on a sort of a studio level and a kind of uh, film production level, you've got all these black actors involved, you've got this great kind of thing happening there, and then the message of the film itself is completely contrary to that, I would argue, and instead um, just surrenders itself to the industrial military complex, which is, of course, what it's going to do in a Marvel film. No worries. That's fine. Well, the thing with Marvel, though, just being, you know, while we're sort of on this path, is that you've got the Killmonger character, and while I agree, I think he's the most interesting part of that movie by, like, a very long mile, okay? But they have to neuter that because the core, the absolute sort of nougaty center of Marvel is the Iron Man character, of whom is very pro-capitalist, who is very pro-military. The, who is the war machine, yeah, yeah. Like, he's so. absolutely the war machine, which is weird because there's a character called War Machine. He's less of a war machine than Iron Man is. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, if you got that as the center, then you can't actually have this conflicting ideology. So, so that's that's what's annoying for me. So, so then you, so we fast forward to Frozen Two, and they try to um, tell the story about where it obviously becomes apparent that they're trying to tell a t- story about decolonization and to illustrate how um, that uh, is, is something necessary going forward for our society and for uh, the um, many indigenous peoples around the world who have been exploited and massacred and. Um, you know, probably not the best. Uh, you you probably wouldn't trust that kind of message with Disney in the best of co- in the best of cases. But to see them sort of drag it out in this really painful way, um, to then uh, basically erase it all right in the last moment and be like, uh, no, no, we can all just get along together. You stay over there, and we'll stay over here. And if as long as we're all separate, everything will be fine. It was just, it's just so bad. Is that really how the message ends? Basically, so if you want to say spoiler alert for if you want to watch Frozen 2 without the spoiler, um, basically uh, what happens is um, Elsa and her annoying sister realise that um, the uh, reason that the the indigenous peoples of up the road, wherever that is, um, have been living in this forest of... Uh, this enchanted forest where they can't escape because they're trapped in an evil mist um, is because her grandfather um, started a massacre and um, killed a whole bunch of the um, indigenous people of the area and that's how um, the town of where Frozen lives was able to flourish. And um, so with a vision and some other kind of crazy stuff in the sky and Mufasa comes to visit and stuff and uh, the annoying sister realises that the way she has to right the wrongs is to destroy the bridge which will wipe out the town and that will restore balance to the um, to the world and the people can be seen. So, they, so it's like they, they, they paint this metaphor for, yeah, when it, you know, we've got to tear down society 
to tear down society to start again and really do this well. And I'm like, wow, this was uh, this was unexpected as I'm watching the film. It's like, did Bernie Sanders write this? <laughs> and then, uh, and then, in an unexplained moment of just like Disney, um, Elsa on her magic ice horse rides from the ocean, saves the town, so that then the town and the um, uh, the indigenous people can live in their forest and the townsfolk can go back to their f- town and everyone can be happy. So Bernie Sanders didn't write it, but it was Hillary Clinton. <laughs> I think it must have been. Bernie, Bernie did the first draft and then Hillary was brought in to uh, fix it up maybe. So I don't know. Like, it's great that they're, I guess, you know, can you say it's great that they're trying to address these issues when they just destroy them so horribly at the end? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. All I know is anytime I think about Frozen, I'm reminded back to, and I'm not sure if I ever told you about this, but I got a job that I lasted in for six weeks because there was a co-worker who did nothing but saying, let it go consistently <laughs> through the office. Yeah. I could take no more, so I just left. <laughs> yeah, I, I've been tempted to do that in my house, but uh, <laughs> you know, it's a bit harder to walk away from your family than it is a job. Yeah, but that song... Look, if you came to me and told me that's why you left your family, I'd understand. <laughs> so, look, it's, you know, yes, um, it, it does all the things that it's supposed to. Kids are going to, I'm sure, love it. Uh, my kids didn't pick up on these messages, um, and I'm sure yours won't either. But uh, if you, I don't know. It's like we're talking about trying to, um, you know, going back over Disney Plus and, like, thinking about all the films that we um, don't want our small children to watch because of the inherently terrible messages behind basically everything that came up until, up before. I don't even know if there's any good ones, to be honest, when you really start digging through it. Um, as far as the, you know, oh, the there classic... Is. It's called Mr. Boogie. <laughs> the classic uh, Disney animated films, I'm, I guess I mean more than anything else. But, um, yes, I mean, you know, glad they're all problematic and some of them have the warning at the start and stuff. But it's just like, can we just, you know, it feels like it'd be a much better idea to just do something stupid that doesn't try to deal with massive social political issues when you're the biggest corporation in the world who's doesn't really have a conscience. And Do you really want to be arguing this, though? Like, isn't it actually kind of good that a large corporation has interesting themes at its core rather than just trying to neuter its films to no, say and mean well, nothing? Well, if they were trying to... If they were successful in it, sure. But if, if what they're ultimately doing is, like, saying, hey, there's a problem here... Let's ignore it, <laughs> which is ultimately the end of the end of that of, of what they're saying there in that film. It's just kind of like, well, no, it'd be better if they just made a movie about cats. Counterpoint: uh, The Simpsons. There was the problem of advertising, and I believe The Simpsons created a song around it called "Just Don't Look." <laughs> well, but you support that one quite regularly, Chris. Where do your politics lie? Yeah, Where do yeah. they lie? Yeah, well, and you know that's 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 all good and fair, but to think that um, the children of the world are being uh, subjected to this due to the monopolization of our entertainment through the Mickey Mouse Company is a little sad. Yes. And on that note, can I talk about a movie I saw? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, so anyway, that's Frozen. I give it zero stars. No, I'll give it one star. Well, it's Frozen 2. Uh, Frozen 2. And um, and another spoiler. Uh, the, um, the You know, the snowman doesn't die. Everyone's like, oh, the snowman dies. I got so excited about that at least. I was like, oh, I'm going to be able to have a good conversation about death with my kid and like, you know, really like put, send home some messages and stuff and uh Nah, came back to life. And instead you have to get on YouTube and try to find videos of Mr. Hooper from Sesame <laughs> That's Street. That's right. And the kids it. are like, who's that? Yeah, who's this guy? Yeah. Uh, so anyway, you know, yes, I'm not going to dissuade or persuade anyone to watch Frozen 2, I'm sure, but that is my two cents. Well, if you need anyone to tell your kids about death, just give me a call. Okay, sure. Um, and that'll do. Dan, what have you been watching? 
Look, I saw some trailers for a film called Knives Out. I was pretty keen on it because Ryan Johnson was the director. Mm. Reviews on it, stellar. And I thought, you know what? I want to see this movie. The trailer looks terrible. I don't know if I'm keen for this. But anyway, I went along and saw Knives Out. Harlan started out with a rusty Smith Corona and built himself into one of the best-selling mystery writers of all time. 30 languages, over 80 million copies sold. You guys fans? I mean, I don't do much fiction reading myself. Big fan. I'm a big fan. Who is that guy? Uh, Mr. Blanc is a private investigator of great renown. I read a tweet about a New Yorker article about you. You're famous. The night of his demise. Chris Yates, Knives Out, freaking loved it. (laughs) <laughs> That's good. I'm glad you loved it. So good. Uh, is it as good as review the, done? Is it as good as the Last Jedi? Look, here's the thing: the Last Jedi is the best of the Star Wars movies, <laughs> and I'm just doubling down on that now. <laughs> oh my god! I don't even know if I believe it at this point. Of course you don't. This is like the Avatar thing all over again. Oh boy! What do you mean the Avatar thing? Are we talking about one of the finest? entertaining motion pictures that yeah that's what we're talking about yeah anyway chris whatever i'm not gonna (laughs) i'm not even anyway ryan johnson Mm -hmm. he's made a bunch of entertaining movies prior to the last jedi uh if people saw looper that's probably his most sort of widely seen accessible uh film this is him doing a uh, agatha christie style murder mystery Mm -hmm. it all takes place mostly within like the confines of one large house out in the middle of the countryside uh, there's a few other scenes here and there, but pretty much it's a one-location film. There's a famous author, think of like a Stephen King sort of a character. He is like late 80s, he's about to die. Like, he, you know, he's late 80s, so he knows he doesn't have that much you know, left in him. He's got a family who are all awful for one specific reason or another, but he's got this housekeeper, well, she's like a uh, personal, uh, like a nurse. Mm-hmm. Anyway, she is, I think, Guatemalan? I'm, I'm trying to remember what her ethnicity was, but, you know, she, she wasn't of, you know, just, you know, aristocratic um, sure. novel stock. Yes. She was, you know, she was from somewhere else. So, anyway, she's been looking after him. She's, like, a beloved part of the family, and he ends up in a situation where he is murdered by somebody in the household. Right. So... Who was it in the household? Was it one of the really awful people? Was it our protagonist in the movie, this lovely, like, house nurse? Okay. What's going on? Three cops turn up. Uh, Two of them are, like, regular police officers. And as far as they're concerned, the story is as they thought it was when they found the body, which is that the famous author slit his own throat. Mm. Okay. Bit weird, but the scientific evidence is that he slit his own throat. Mm. Okay. But this detective who's been hired by mysterious means... Okay, he just got an envelope filled with money. He's like, you know what? Somebody's hired me to do this. I want to find out who the actual killer is. And so it's him interrogating everyone and going around. So that guy's played by Daniel Craig. The rest of the cast is like an all-star cast of names and faces you've certainly seen around the place, even if you don't know them necessarily by name. It's very much a classic Agatha Christie-style whodunit with lots of very good jokes and smart sort of uh, cinema visual gags taking place within it all. There's actually laugh out loud moments. I was in a cinema with my uh, bride who was sitting next to me. That's my Steve Austin way I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, so I had my bride next to me and that's not the $6 million man. People from Brisbane will get that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and also there was like three other people in the cinema. And you know, when you're in a small cinema and like no one really wants to like make much noise or anything because you're a bit nervous and conscious of the other people yeah. around. Everyone was just like actively laughing and enjoying this movie. Oh, that's Which good. I think says something to the fact that there were just five awesome people in that theater that morning. 
Uh, I'm just looking at the cast now. Oh, yeah, that is an all-star what, cast. What you, names you jumping out at you? You tend to say that a lot of the times when it doesn't... Um... Yeah, but you just don't know who people are, Chris. <laughs> when it's just lies. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, Don Johnson, my yep. favorite, my fa- current favorite actor. Um, current? You mean current <laughs> since 1987, since right? 1987. Christopher Plummer. Uh, our Tony. Our Tony Collette. Yeah. Um, huge. Yeah, pretty good cast. Uh, you're probably also forgetting one of the Chris's. Oh, which one? Chris Evans? Yeah, right. that's Captain America Chris. I don't know who that is. Oh, right. You've seen Captain America? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. fine. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, Sorry. very good cast. And the thing is, I don't want to say anything about this movie because I went into it having just seen the trailer and knowing who was in it. Outside of that, I didn't really know much more than murder mystery taking place. And I was so unimpressed with this trailer. Like the vibe of it just seemed really off and I just wasn't really digging it at all. But the actual film, like, it really comes alive and sings in a way that I haven't seen many films feel that confident about being what it is. So, the comparison point, I know you want to say something, but the comparison point is uh, last year, I want to say, there was the uh, Agatha Christie's actual film, uh, Murder on the Orient Express. Yeah. And watching that, like, that kind of felt the same in that it was a sort of slightly overly theatrical, uh, big budget, glossy, whodunit type of mystery. The thing is, that I had, like, no charm. There was no sparkle to any of it. Whereas this film, like, it really is just, like, pure cinema joy. I wanted to ask how it compared to the um, movie Clue, based on the board game Clue, as known as Cluedo in Australia. I will tell you exactly how it compares after I see the movie Clue. You've never seen it? Never seen it. Speaking of an all-star cast, are you ready for this? Okay, what do you got? Tim Curry? Um, Madeline Kahn. Tim Curry. Leslie Ann Warren. Uh, Michael McKean, Martin mm. Mull, Christopher Lloyd, uh, Bill Henderson, and that'll do. You had me at Bill Henderson. <laughs> but come on, there's a cast yeah, for right. you. Um, all right, cool. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to watch that movie, but it sounds interesting. No, well, I would look, for you, I wouldn't recommend checking it out in the cinema, but when it crops up on Netflix, <laughs> yeah, like all right, that, sure. definitely watch it there. You'll get a kick out of it. All right, I might. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Can, can we just talk about The Last Jedi? No, no, let's not do it. I don't want to open that up. No, because um, then I'm going to have to argue with you about your belief that Solo is a watchable movie, <laughs> which I believed until I watched it yesterday morning. And I was just like, you know what? This film does not hold at all. I cannot get past. Anyway, no, you're right. Let's just not do let's, it. Solo is great. Let's, let's save this for off mic. Okay. And we'll roll up our sleeves and fisticuffs. Solo is excellent. Uh, yeah, and okay, Chris. That'll do. This all right. podcast is getting long in the tooth. How about we wind this out with the final thing that you've been watching? Is it my turn again? Did yeah. you do? Did you do two? I just talked about knives out then. Oh yeah, that's and right. And I talked about upright at the beginning. Oh, upright, I forgot about yeah. upright already. And so you're going to continue with the theme of animated things you've seen this week. <laughs> I am. This is so organised. You've done a really good job, and I've just derailed, tried to derail it at every opportunity. I have watched um, the first episode of Tuca and Bertie. Let's just jump right into it. It's like whatever, you know. <laughs> you're about to give Tuca. <laughs> Tuka? Tuka? Oh, yeah. I miss you. Birdie. 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 You're my best friend. You're smart. Kapow! And you're so bright. Wearing an article of clothing that's impossible to pin. I just pull it to the side. Ooh. Chris, Tuka and Birdie, it's from one of the co-creators of Bojack Horseman. It's from the creative designer of Bojack Horseman. Sorry. <laughs> Lisa hannah Walls, the creative designer of Bojack Horseman. Yes. I know this because I made a note of it just 10 minutes before the podcast started. I made no notes of it. I just keep all that information <laughs> right up here. 
So um, the person that created the visual look of Bojack. Yes, and that was why I, I wanted to specifically look it up and see that because it does have such a different feel to it that I thought this can't actually be from the same sort of auteur brain of as Bojack, which is this very specific kind of thing. And yes, it's um, it looks very similar. So, I mean, my question is, this was a show that launched to a fair bit of attention from, I guess, what we'd call woke Twitter. Right. And then the show was cancelled just a few months later with right. lots of aggravated tweets. <laughs> But the thing is that outside of the launch of the show and the day that it was cancelled, I saw next to nobody talk about the program. Right. So in my mind, I'm wondering, is this just one of these shows which has a very specific type of audience that found the show that worked for them and it doesn't necessarily really warrant going back and watching it? Or should I, Dan Barrett, sceptical person, actually make the effort to go and watch the, what, 13 episode season? Yeah, 13 episode season, yeah. I think. Look, I think... I can't answer that, Dan. I, I, I'm, and I should, I should, I think I said I'm only one episode in. I just really wanted to get a feel for it, and I wanted to have something fresh to talk about today. So I thought I'm going to watch fresh, this show. A show that got cancelled two months. Yeah, ago. Yeah, well, I, I was, I was not aware of that until your intro spiel. Um, it's not surprising. It's weird as hell. Like it's a really, really weird show. So I can understand that it would have trouble finding a um, audience outside of the kind of weirdos like me that like watching weird things. Um, In what way is it weird? It's incredibly surreal. So the way um, Bojack, I guess, even Bojack, which is pretty weird, lives in a real, has a universe with like, uh, you know, laws that the, the, it's, it's still got a pretty strict universe. Like everyone still kind of pretty much acts and speaks as they would if they were humans, except that they're animals. And so, um, Whereas this is a, like another step bizarre, other than it just being the, so. It's bird world, and there's but not only the birds, and the birds can actually have pet birds, which aren't um, you know uh, people birds, and then also the plants have. To me, that just sounds like Goofy and Pluto. <laughs> That's right. Um, the uh, plants are also some. Some of the plants are also sentient. Um, the, some of the buildings are sentient. Like, they're just kind of like, if they want a machine to start talking, the machine will start talking if it serves kind of the weirdness of the scenario they're setting up. So, obviously, it's a different creative brain than Bojack Horseman, but what's the sense of humour like? Because this uh, is more of a comedy than Bojack. Like, Bojack's a comedy. Yeah. But also, it takes, you some pretty, of a comedy. <laughs> it takes you some pretty dark, depressing places Yeah, that's as well. right. And that's, but, but I think this is a bit more of a straight comedy. Is that right? Yeah, I think so. Like, it was pretty... The, definitely the first episode is played just for laughs. It's kind of like... Uh, it sets up the relationship between Tuka and Birdie, who are roommates that have just moved out because Birdie's got a boyfriend moving in. Um, and so, uh, you know, it's starting to explore their, the, the dynamic that they both have having come from living their lives together, um, in, in all their twenties to now being 30 and starting to spread their wings. I get it. It's a metaphor. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, and yeah, it was, it. And so, yes, it was packed with jokes and it kind of like used that sort of relationship stuff to, you know, make, um, uh, to, it used that uh, little, what you would say is a fairly small story point of where they're at in their lives as a way to just kind of introduce the world and um, create and crack jokes about it kind of thing. So, yes, I thought the first episode was extremely funny and I'll definitely be on it to, uh, on, on for the rest of the ride. But just the, and the extra level of surrealness to the animation was something that I really liked. You know, there was a point where it was really n- novel and unique to kind of do these animated shows that just 
stuck to real world physics and didn't do anything kind of crazy. King of the Hill. King of the Hill being the peak and, uh, you know, probably one of the top five television shows of all time. Um, did that very, very well. Um, you say that like it's a fact. <laughs> it definitely, definitely is. It's, um, you know, you could look it up. Um, and I, then I uh, teaching us school, in schools, yeah, is a part of the that's, syllabus. That's what I learned at school. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, but it's actually, it, you know, it was kind of like, and then, you know, there's still great ones doing that. Like Bob's Burgers is doing that really, really well. And, um, even the, um, what's that guy that everyone, um, PBS news hour, <laughs> um, Bill Burr, what's his one called? Uh, I don't know. He's got one on um, yeah. Netflix as well, which is not bad. And like, you know, they're kind of like moved away from that sort of just like, uh, pun fest of the Seth MacFarlane kind of style to this, you know, a little bit more realistic. Uh, so it was great. Anyway, it's awesome to see something that just goes so crazy with the um, that goes so far out there with the surreal aspects and the um, you know not feeling like it needs to be as grounded in reality. It's great. Yeah, so I should give it a look. Is what you? I reckon you would. Yeah, I reckon you would like it a little yeah. bit. Especially, uh, maybe you should come over and uh, have some special brownies, and then you might really enjoy it one day. Uh, I do like enjoying brownies. <laughs> what makes them special? <laughs> They're made with love. Oh, it's the icing. The secret ingredient, love, yes. Um, Wait but a second. I'm, I'm disappointed to hear that it's going to be cancelled after only one season. That's a shame. But, you know, no, no, it's been cancelled. It's been cancelled after one that season. That show is dead. <laughs> but, you know, like life goes on. I won't lose any sleep over it. But, yeah, yeah. it would have been nice to see their lives explored a little bit more. Um, or, and, and hopefully that, you know, doesn't mean that that style of of animation is cancelled because it would be great to see some more weird stuff coming back in. You know, like in the 70s and stuff, there was just such great sort of surreal, um, trippy animation that just uh, doesn't seem to exist as much anymore. No. and Well, it kind of has. So if you think about... I think it's a 20-year cycle thing. So the 70s had like really sort of interesting sort of oddball animation. So Fritz the Cat's probably something that jumps to mind immediately. I don't know if that's what you were thinking. No, it is. And like heavy metal and all those kind of things. Yeah. Exactly. Well, the heavy metal, was that more early 80s then? Probably 70s? 80s, yeah. 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 Uh, but I'm thinking like through the 90s, you had the rise of those MTV animated shows. So The Max, Eon Flux. Ren and Stimpy. Ren and Stimpy is probably a good one there as well. Uh, the Simpsons is uh, pretty obvious. Yeah. I mean, as weird as the thing about The Simpsons as being like this oddball cartoon. Well, that's funny because it didn't really fit into the... It's not even, it doesn't really do either of those things. Like it doesn't keep a real strict, no. um, you know, real world physics, but, but it, it also still- doesn't... It was still pretty surreal and out there for, you know, the late 80s when that got... Yeah, you know, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's just that it stumbled into massive global success. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but then you've got like a bit of a jump until the 2010s where Netflix came along and you started seeing the rise of animated shows again. So BoJack Horseman's a pretty weird... Yeah, well, that's right. You and know. Birdie, uh, Tucker and Birdie. Yeah, to take it one step further, yeah. I think has been really, really cool. But also uh, Bob Raphael Waxberg, if I haven't mixed up his name and. Waxberg, Bob Raphael. I don't think that's right. Uh, But he's got his new Amazon show, which I talked about on a podcast a few weeks ago, uh, called Undone, which is a very sort of surrealist, interesting animated show, which, yeah, definitely give that a look. Wasn't paying attention if I was here that day. No, you were. (laughs) You, sir, are the worst. Uh, what was it called? Chris is writing a note to himself. What I liked is that during that entire segment, Chris has got a pen like he's it David did. Letterman, of whom's just like waving his pen around and making comments. But he kept clicking it. It's, I'm like, people are trying to listen to a podcast. It's the first time I've ever brought a pen into the studio. I'll never do it again, Dan. Yeah, I mean, based on your handwriting there. <laughs> anyway, Chris, mm. that show's called Tuka and Birdie. Yes. And, and it's uh, on the Netflix. 
Okay, fantastic. For, for, for a li- at least a little bit longer until they r- scrub it from existence, I guess. Okay, so we've had four shows that we've... Well, four things. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got two movies that you have to go to the cinema to see. Oh, I wouldn't recommend going to see either of them. Uh, well, I'd recommend Knives Out. I wouldn't. Chris, maybe should see the movie <laughs> and then we'll have that conversation. Well, I can't recommend it until I see it. See, I got you on a technicality. Uh, look, I'm tired of you and your legal mumbo jumbo. Fair enough. Two films, Knives Out, which you should see in the cinema. And I think Chris is maybe put off by the fact he isn't a 12-year-old girl. Frozen 2, probably not the target market, but um, that's that's where I'm coming from with it. Uh, But we also had two TV shows that you can watch from the comfort of your couch, which is the preferred way to watch things. It's the preferred way to live life, as far as I'm concerned. It's the preferred way to be in your underwear. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so that's two things. That's Upright, which is available on the Foxtel service, Fox Showcase, and also Tuka and Birdie now on Netflix. Thanks, Dan. It's been a pleasure here. Sorry I tried to derail your very professional efforts to make this thing a, a, bit, a bit more than what it is. Chris, you're the reason why we're not being paid professionally for this. We're going to be toiling in the obscurity. We are no more than like a dance in Homer to a, a capital city screwball. That's fine by me. Wait, no, wait, which one are we? Well, we're dancing Homer. Oh, yeah, cool. We tried the big leagues and didn't last for very <laughs> didn't long. Didn't last for very long. At least I'd, I'd like to get a shot at the big leagues. Can I, can I wait to, can I, you know, screw it up on a massive platform? The that best, would be good. The best we can do is hanging out with the players' wives. No, their girlfriends. <laughs> uh, Sorry, I have been watching season two Simpsons. Thank you, Disney Plus. Yeah, I've been watching so much Simpsons as well. It's been amazing. Yeah. They have stretched them a little bit too. Did you notice that? Like, they're not just cropped. They're also stretched a little. Here's the thing. I mean, while I'd like to get upset about that, I've also just not had ready access to The Simpsons I know, exactly. like in this way forever. I know. And it's like, I haven't even watched those classic seasons for so long because they just haven't been endlessly repeated on Channel 10 yeah. for my viewing pleasure. I, I can spend a good decade since yeah. I watched season two of The Simpsons. Yeah, it's been good getting into it. Did you watch? Se- did you start at season one? Started at season two. Season one is weird. Yeah, I know. I kind of just wanted something that kind of felt a bit more grounded as just like regular Simpsons. Yeah. And then I'd start at season two and start working my way through. But when I hit season nine and realized I've run out of Simpsons episodes, because <laughs> oh, that's when they stopped yeah, making it, I'll go back and watch season yeah, one. Yeah, right. And it's actually fascinating to watch season one if you haven't for a long time because it's so... It is. It is. It, it was quite surreal. Yeah, it is quite bizarre yeah. compared to where it goes. Well, there's Dr. Marvin Monroe. Love, the, the, love Dr. Marvin. Anyway, Chris, I, the end of our podcast is just blown out. Sorry, Dan. Jeez. <laughs> anyway, folks, this has been Always Be Watching. Uh, check us out on the web, alwaysbewatching.com. You can find Chris at the local uh, Bubbles He store where he's working. Um, I'm on social media. You can find me at the Dan Barrett on most major platforms. If you like Always Be Watching and you just want to talk about TV, there's a Facebook group that's ready there for you. It's purpose-built for you to go in and say, yes, Zuckerberg, take all of my information. I'm here to talk about... Tuka and Birdie. I will personally guarantee to like every comment left on there in the next week. Wow. I pretty much do anyway. But I I love that stuff. It's great. It's a great little community. Indeed. Uh, There's a daily newsletter you can sign up to at alwaysbewatching.com. It tells you about news and screen culture type stuff on a daily basis. And once a week, there is the list of all the new shows that are launched that week. Which has been significant lately. Yeah. It's been quite huge. It is the season. Yeah. Anyway, Chris, let's get the heck out of here. We've got TV to watch. See you next week.